Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC FM, and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by municipal attorneys Michael Collins and Rich Roberts, both partners at Halloran and Sage Law Firm in Hartford. Good morning to the both of you. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning. So we are talking election 2020. We are less than a, a month away now, and things are going to be different in many ways this year compared to two or four years ago, last time we had a, a presidential contest. Tell us how things are going to be different this year. Michael, why don't we start with you? One of the things, of course, in a presidential election, which is different from two years ago, um, you tend to have a a larger voter turnout for the presidential elections than you do for more local contests. Um, One of the big differences, of course, here from both the more recent um, senatorial elections and what have you and the the presidential ones of four years ago is the impact of COVID-19. And in Connecticut, as Elsewhere, the uh, the ability to participate in the election by mail-in ballots when uh, an elector has concerns about being exposed to COVID-19 through the regular election process of going to the polls. Now, Rich, a lot of people are expected to, to vote by mail instead of showing up in person. And in Connecticut, we've kind of had to jump through some hoops to make that possible because we are rather restrictive when it comes to absentee ballots. Is that correct? Yes, that's exactly correct. Um, Actually, it's in the state constitution that that absentee ballots are only supposed to be used under certain circumstances. Um, The legislature has passed statutes that kind of expand on what's in the state constitution, but it, it is quite restrictive in terms of circumstances under which uh, you can use absentee ballots. It's, you know, illness, being absent from the state for the entire day, being in the military, uh, religious beliefs that prohibit you from engaging in secular activities. So um, leading up to the presidential primary and the earlier primary in August through uh, executive order and special session legislation in July, the criteria for eligibility to use an absentee ballot were broadened to include, you know, essentially fears of exposure um, due to COVID-19. And the July special session expanded or continued that 
uh, availability of absentee ballots due to COVID-19 through the, the state election in 2020 in November. Now, the state has taken the unprecedented step of sending out absentee ballot applications to every registered voter in Connecticut. You should have received that in the mail by now. And the ballots that you, you know, if you filled out the application and and sent it back to your town or city hall, the ballots started being mailed out last week. Tell us where things are in the process and where we go from here. Well, I think um, based on having conversations with some of our municipal clients, there have been a tremendous number of applications returned uh, either by mail or in person to the town clerk's office. And they're, they're essentially in the process of going through, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of applications, uh, preparing to mail out the actual absentee ballot sets to the voters. Those applications that were submitted prior to October 2nd uh, will be sent out within 48 hours after that date. Um, anything that comes in after that time, once again, will be turned around. Uh, within 48 hours. So I, I think it's it's just kind of a, uh, you know, a processing nightmare for a lot of municipalities at this point. And uh, there have been a lot of towns that have hired additional kind of emergency workers to help out in the town clerk's office with respect to processing uh, the applications and checking off the people on the list and mailing out the absentee ballot sets. In your experience, are, are some cities and towns uh, better equipped to handle this onslaught than others? I think that there certainly are some towns that have um, more of kind of a historical experience with a large amount of absentee ballots than, than in other towns. Um, and that experience obviously gives them a, a leg up in terms of both anticipating what has to be done and having the personnel available to do it. Um, I think that towns that perhaps have not had as much experience in anticipation of this much larger use of that system have taken the steps to, uh, as as Rich was saying, to get extra personnel on board and to kind of get uh, hit the ground running when they get those applications started and the, the process that that begins. Now, the August primaries were kind of a, a test run for this. What were some of the, the hiccups that we saw then, and, and how have things been changed a bit to, uh, to rectify things for the general? It seemed like one of the hiccups for that primary um, surrounded or, or revolved around the use of uh, a mailing house at, out of state Uh, under the direction of the Secretary of State's office for the distribution of the actual absentee ballots in certain instances, and then kind of a a clunky transition to the point at which town clerk's offices uh, were given the responsibility of sending out the ballots during the last week or 10 days. Um, It was apparently not well explained or communicated or understood uh, how that transition was going to work and in which situations the the clerk's offices themselves rather than the mailing house were going to be sending out the ballots. But that's been uh, essentially taken care of for the, for the November election uh, by having the town clerk's office um, 
be responsible for the distribution of, of all of the absentee ballots rather than uh, having the process begin with the mailing house and then go to the town clerks. And I think it was a combination of um, the volume of different types of ballots that would have to be generated for the general election um, and the experience with the mailing house that it, it just seemed to be um, cleaner to have the town clerks be the ones with, with full responsibility for it so that there was no ambiguity as far as who was doing what and when. What else has to happen between now and Election Day to ensure things go smoothly in the run-up to the election and when the counting starts? Well, the next steps that'll happen, and Rich touched upon this a, a little bit already, is obviously the, the applications are still coming in and the uh, the ballots themselves have to go out. Um, one of the things we, we had been advocating when we had a, a conversation like this earlier is... Um, it would be in people's best interest to make sure that they, they get the ballots back in as soon as they can. Um, you don't want to run the risk that it gets tied up in the mail, for example, if the, uh, the ballot has to be at the uh, town hall before they can be tabulated. So you want to make sure that you, as a, uh, as a voter, to the extent you're able to, to use the boxes that are available at town halls, that's, I think, this, the most expedient way to make sure that your ballot gets to the de uh, designated location. Um, and if you, if you need to use the mail to do that as, as soon as possible. And in fact, the, the legislature, the, this past week meeting in special session, took up some legislation that is designed to make it a little easier for, for local elections officials to handle the ballots once they, they are returned, because typically you, you can't really do anything with them until Election Day, correct? That's correct. Um, prior to July of this year, uh, the town clerks would essentially collect all the absentee ballots that were returned to their office. And uh, the extent of the pre-processing would be to, you know, organize them by voting district and check people's names off on the list to show whose absentee ballot has returned. Uh, so that they're they're checked off on the list. So if they suddenly show up uh, at the polls on election day, there there's some kind of you know heads up that there's an absentee ballot that needs to be thrown away. Um, the delivery of the absentee ballots to the folks who process them, open them, tabulate them, and so forth, um, you know, prior to this year occurred between 10 a.m. and noon on election day. And given the volume of absentee ballots, uh, I think it was widely recognized that that wasn't going to be feasible, you know, if half or two thirds of the people seeking to vote in the November election did it by absentee. So as it stands now, the processing of ballots in terms of crossing people's names off uh, on the list so that they don't have the opportunity to vote twice can begin um, as much as two weeks before the election. And the processing of the physical absentee ballot envelopes to make sure that things were done properly, that they've been dated properly, that the receipts are, are in there, that the signatures are on there, uh, can begin uh, Friday, October 30th at 5 p.m. 
rather than waiting until election day. So a lot of the kind of backroom paperwork can be taken care of before election day, but you still have the safeguard of not having the actual ballots with the, the marking of who uh, the individual has voted for being opened until beginning six o'clock on election day so that the you know concerns about people getting a head start on knowing what the uh, what the results are going to be has been mitigated but it still allows the uh, kind of documentary processing to be done ahead of time so that they can uh, have less work that actually needs to get done on election day itself. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to municipal attorneys Rich Roberts and Michael Collins. They are both partners at Halloran and Sage Law Firm in Hartford. Backing up a moment, say someone has filled out the application for the absentee ballot. They've returned that. What are they going to get back in the mail? So it's it's really a, a package, a set of two envelopes, right? Yes. Yeah, there, there's an outer envelope, an inner envelope, and a ballot. And you mark your ballot, fold it up, put it inside the inner envelope, which is supposed to be um, anonymous so that um, you know people can't see um, what is on your ballot. You put it inside the inner envelope. Then it goes inside the outer envelope where you... Uh, sign the acknowledgement that you're eligible to use the absentee ballot. So it's, um, you know, it's pretty well hidden inside by the time you get it. If you are going to be doing uh, absentee ballot, either by mail or putting it in the box at your town hall, be sure to follow the instructions exactly as far as putting the ballot inside the inner envelope and sealing it putting the inner envelope inside the outer envelope, signing it, dating it, sealing that, just so that there's no basis for anyone to challenge challenge the ballot, uh, or equally importantly, there's no opportunity for anyone to tamper with it. Now, if you've requested an absentee ballot, the ballot shows up, but for some reason you didn't fill it out, you didn't return it in time, you still have the option of voting in person on Election Day, correct? Yes, you do. And how does that work in terms of ensuring people don't vote twice? The names on the abs- on the, the voter list get checked off when the absentee ballot itself is returned. Um, so that if it's returned during election day or if it's returned prior to election day, uh, the name will already have been crossed off the list um, showing that you had voted by absentee. Prior to this year, you could go in up until the close of business on the day before the election and say, you know, I voted by absentee, but I changed my mind. Um, this year, you have until 5 p.m. on October 30th to, to go in and say, uh, I voted absentee, but I changed my mind and, and to have it kind of pulled out of the stack. Um, when the absentee ballots come in, if, if any come in on election day itself, uh, they will again be cross-checked against the voter list to make sure that that person hasn't already voted in person so that, uh, you know, anyone who's trying to game the system by by showing up in person, but also uh, voting absentee uh, on election day will 
probably be caught through the through the cross-checking system. Now, with that said, how big a concern really is widespread voter fraud as the president and, and other mainly Republicans have, have warned about? There are built into the system, there are safeguards at, at every step of the process that we've been discussing. Um, namely, there are, are rules that must be followed during the application process. There are rules that are followed that, that Rich was just discussing in terms of filling out the, the absentee ballot. Uh, there's rules that are in place for the checkers. And as you might imagine, just as is the case for uh, when you go to the polls, there are both parties represented by individuals who are participating in these safeguard measures. So that from from my perspective, the chance of, of widespread fraud um, is very remote. Rich, would you agree? Yes, I agree. I mean, the, the, the system is designed to um, kind of double check almost every step along the way. Um, and even with the tremendous volume of absentee ballots that are that are likely to be used during this election. Uh, I think having the opportunity to do some of the cross checking and the, the tabulation and the paperwork in advance will uh, go a long way to eliminating the possibility of having um, you know any any meaningful degree of voter fraud. Now Election day registration is still relatively new in Connecticut. How is that going to work this year amid the pandemic and the changes instituted because of it? I don't think there are going to be substantial changes in in the election day registration process itself, uh, other than probably requiring masks and social distancing and so forth. One of the other um, legislative changes in July was to allow municipalities to set up more than one election day registration location within their towns so that um, if there was a fear of 4,000 people converging on City Hall at 6 p.m., um, there's at least the opportunity to have that volume of people spread out between multiple locations so that um, you know, it doesn't create any kind of unnecessary risk of uh, of COVID spreading. Now, in, in the experience that you have, both of you, what sort of legal disputes might arise out of how mail-in voting is occurring this year in Connecticut? In the past, uh, some of the the legal challenges to the absentee ballot process um, have been with the application process itself. Um, one of the concerns that has been addressed in some court cases that I was involved in was the um, actions of, you know, political volunteers in trying to assist in the uh, the process. And there's, you know, there are restrictions as to what you're able to do in terms of um, getting someone who who needs an absentee ballot to to uh, to complete the application and, and get the ballot, et cetera. Th th those are the type of things that I've had experience with. And Rich. I think the, um, in addition to the ones that, that Mike mentioned, there have been um, challenges over the uh, proper filling out of the inner and outer envelopes. Um, there have also been questions about voter intent on the absentee ballot themselves. Uh, 
one of the things that you have kind of as an advantage if you're voting in person is that if you do it wrong, meaning, you know, you circle someone's name or you draw an X or you put arrows on, on your ballot instead of filling in the oval, the tabulator will reject it and the person standing next to it will kind of suggest ways you might fix it. So if you are voting in person and, and aren't familiar with the process or just aren't good at following directions, there is kind of a real-time opportunity to, to fix it and to clarify and to make sure that your vote reflects your actual intent. The difficulty with the absentee ballots is that they're done um, you know, in hospital rooms, in people's kitchens, in nursing homes, uh, wherever uh, the voter is when they're filling it out and it gets put in the envelopes and signed and sealed and so forth. And, and there isn't really the same opportunity for anyone to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, you didn't do this right. So it comes down to what the interpretation of the vote counters is uh, at the time that they're opening up the ballots uh, in terms of determining uh, the voters' intent. And in some cases, you know, going back to when, uh, you know, I think it was the second congressional district, there were a whole series of very close elections. There was uh, substantial litigation involving what kinds of, you know, stray marks or mismarks or things like that uh, should be construed in certain ways as reflecting the voters' intent. So that, you know, that's always something that comes up with absentee ballots. And I think um, it may become more relevant this time because there are a lot of people who uh, may be voting for the first time or certainly will be voting by absentee ballot for the first time who may not necessarily uh, dot the I's and cross the T's and, and fill in the oval nicely. Uh, that could create opportunities for confusion down the road. We've heard that both presidential campaigns have vast legal teams to challenge anything that, that might occur on Election Day that they have objections to. Have you heard of any campaigns in Connecticut kind of lawyering up in, in advance of the election? Frankly, having legal teams at your disposal is not unique to this election. Um, it happens in elections of consequence all the time. Uh, I haven't heard any specific lawyer cartels established with regard to this election. I, I don't, don't know if you have, Rich. No, but I'm, I'm just guessing that they exist. I, I'm just not aware of them. So bottom line for the election, what is your advice to the, the voter who, who may be doesn't know yet whether they they want to fill out the the application for a ballot and and vote by mail or show up on election day. I guess my thought is that if if someone isn't sure whether they want to vote by mail or in person, it's probably worth getting you know taking the application and sending it back so that you have an absentee ballot in your hand. If you know, for example, um, you know. COVID becomes much more prevalent and, and you start to have concerns about it, um, you know, it's not a last minute scramble to get the absentee ballot. Uh, you, you have it in hand, but if, you know, if it turns out that election day is warm and sunny and 
Uh, we haven't had a, a dramatic change in the number of cases and the person is feeling otherwise confident um, that they can uh, you know, take the necessary precautions to go vote in person. At least you, you've covered all the bases and, and made sure that uh, you, know, you still would have the chance to vote by absentee um, if, you, if circumstances changed. And the other thing I would suggest if someone decides that they are going to use the absentee ballot process, that you get it in as, as quickly as you can to avoid the concern that somehow it will get lost through the cracks. Good advice. He is Michael Collins, joined by Rich Roberts, both partners at Halloran and Sage in Hartford. They are municipal attorneys. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.